As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. To the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Thursday, March 4th. Derek Van Riper here with Michael Beller. We've got another great guest lined up today. We have Niv Shaw. He is the creator of Auto New Fantasy Baseball. We're going to talk about keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, Auto New specifically, and a lot of players, young players that we like for this season, both as 2021 targets and as long-term targets as well. So, even if you have not played in a long-term league before, if you're just hearing about Auto New for the first time, this conversation should be very enjoyable and a lot of fun. Niv, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So I want to start just with some hitters, young hitters that we like. And again, this is a blanket sort of question. The floor is wide open. Who are some young hitters you're interested in for 2021 or even as targets that you would be trading for, trying to get right now in keeper and dynasty formats? Um, for me, my number one guy is Alec Bohm, the Phillies third baseman. I like uh, where he sits in the lineup, and I like his skill set. I think his, uh, you know, rookie year 350 up on base percentage just like really speaks to me. Uh, in Auto New, I play a format that is a four by four roto, so we have on base percentage instead of batting average. We don't have steals, so his skill set actually translates really well for that right that setup. No speed um, on base instead of batting. Um, so he's probably my number one, uh, right now. I, my, my offense isn't very young in auto new right now. It's full of stars. Uh, like I have a big chunk of the angels, uh, offense right now, uh, trout and Rendon and Otani. So I don't have like as many future hitter prospects as like I normally would in the format. I have more pitching, but the hitting side, I'm like a little bit soft right now. Bohm's been an interesting guy for me this offseason uh, just because yeah, I, I do a ton of football work here at The Athletic, and so I'm I'm transitioning over into baseball maybe a little later than some of the baseball-only people. And I was just surprised to see Bohm in redraft leagues uh, have an ADP higher, and it has stuck there than both Chris Bryant and Matt Chapman. And I understand you know why Bryant and Chapman have fallen from where they were last season and why Bohm is a little bit ahead of him. I get the that that's their standing it just was surprising for me to see it and uh, he does feel like a guy who could uh, definitely take off with the foundation that he has set for himself and be a real uh, star and a real comer in 2021 um you know someone else who i find very interesting going into this 2021 season is a guy who is in that same nl east it's victor robles uh, a guy who i find myself still being in on and we can craft a lot of what, almost whatever sort of narrative we want from 2020, right? If a guy had a great season, we can easily say, boom, this is the sign of him uh, taking off in his career. If a guy had a bad season, we can just as easily say, eh, 60 games, whatever. He never had a chance to get going. If it were a full season, he easily was going to turn that around. Victor Robles, for me, as easy as that narrative is, I don't know if he quite falls into that second group, but I am definitely willing to give him a pass and give him another shot, given what we know the skill set to be, where he was last year, and now where he is this year. Uh, where are you seeing on Victor Robles this season? Well, I I live in D.C. I've, I've like sort of tracked him and like gone to a bunch of games and stuff, and 
I, I worry he can't hit. <laughs> I think like the glove keeps him in in the lineup. Obviously, he's like his glove is awesome, and uh, you know that's a real baseball skill that I think he's plus plus at. But I just get worried. Like I know he's really young, and so I don't think like the book is closed on him by any means. And I'd like to believe, but I'm just a little worried that like he doesn't have like the full like is he going to hit with enough power uh, to be like it's a top tier or like even a a starting outfielder. Um, for like a fantasy team, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I think he will be an interesting defensive first, gl- like glove first center fielder for a long time in baseball, though. So I mean, from that perspective, like he should find a bit a place to hit. Right now, I just don't know if he'll be able to actually do that. I'm a little nervous about that part. Yeah, playing time is kind of really important and we don't talk about it right. all the time and defense like premium defense drives playing time but I think the the concerns about Robles are valid I mean I'm probably one of his biggest fans in the fantasy community uh, and it's a big difference if you're not playing in an OBP league if you're looking at him as a guy that's maybe stuck in the bottom third of the order uh, if you're skeptical of the power he's basically a steals play and if you're getting him only for steals then you know things could fall apart pretty quickly if he's back to the shape he was in in 2020. I think that was the biggest concern. For a guy who was speed first with some power, he showed up 20 pounds heavier for the shortened season, and it just didn't work for him at all. But I guess where my optimism comes from is I think his profile might end up being a bit more like what we see from Starling Marte, where long-term, 12, 15 home runs annually, 25 to 30 steals, maybe that's kind of the sweet spot that Robles can get to. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for, at least, where I go after him. And I think this is maybe one last opportunity to get him before he gets up to that level consistently. I think one of my favorite young players in the game right now is Jordan Alvarez because when he came up in 2019, he was hitting basically at a Mike Trout sort of level. If you look at WRC Plus and the overall offensive production we saw from him in his first half season, unfortunately just played two games in the shortened season, has some pretty significant concerns about his knees in the long run. Things seem to be tracking pretty well in terms of his progress toward opening day. What do you make of, of Alvarez coming off that massive debut in 2019 and injury plague 2020? I'm I'm really positive on Jordan Alvarez. I think I like I want to that's like a player that I want to be excited about. Like I think we all have players like that that you're like, this is an up-and-coming guy. Like if he can stay healthy, the power is just awesome. Like he hits everything. Yeah, you were not understating it. He was sort of better than Trout for like his most productive stretch, right? Like that's crazy. That's not something that you like <laughs> do, say lightly, right? There's like only two players that have done that since Mike Trout's been a baseball player. So that that's that's nuts, and that's um. So so from that perspective, I'm like really excited. He's not that old, and his knees like are already gone, and that is scary. That that's like undeniably scary if you want to have like a caveat for it, but. But I want to believe, man. I, I don't know. I, I want to believe. <laughs> I think we all want to believe. I mean, like you said, there aren't yeah. very many guys who we can put in that group, right? I mean, it's been it's been Jordan Alvarez and Juan Soto who have had like legitimately long, meaningful stretches where they have put up better than Troutian numbers since Mike Trout has been a major leaguer. And that's fun. We want guys to be legitimately, legitimately in that discussion. Every year we seem to have someone who – the fantasy community wants to push as a trout verse fill in the blank player. And this year it's a little bit more realistic because of speed in traditional leagues and what have you. But I just mean from a real life perspective, right? We've had Bryce Harper pop up and challenge him and fall down and Christian Yelich pop up and challenge him and fall down. And it would be nice if someone could legitimately pop up and challenge him. I think Juan Soto can as a pure hitter. Jordan Alvarez has at least shown a ceiling where he can maybe get into that discussion. So hopefully uh, the knees hold up and we get a full season of health from him this year. Uh, another guy who I am very excited to get a full season from this season is Kyle Lewis out in Seattle. And, uh, you know, you uh, talk about Adenu being a league that uh, uses OBP in place of batting average. And we saw a big OBP surge from Kyle Lewis last season in just 58 games, 242 plate appearances, 262 batting average. You'll happily live with that in traditional fantasy leagues, but a 364 OBP, you love to see that in leagues that use OBP. 11 homers also. I think he's a very interesting guy to look at because you can't deny what he did last season, and he showed plenty of power in his cup of coffee in 2019, six homers in 75 plate appearances, but that's the sum total of his major league experience. 76 games, uh, just a little bit more than 300 plate appearances. Where are we standing on Kyle Lewis coming into this year? 
Well, it's interesting because I think you nailed it. Uh, he has the least track record of the players we've mentioned so far. So he's actually probably the most uh, correct to keep in this category of like exciting young players. Like Alec Bohm is like uh, maybe in that category too. But like you said, he's already ahead of Chapman on on average draft and ahead of Chris Bryant. So like he's a known quantity. Kyle Lewis, you might find value there. And so that part is exciting. And I mean, I think the Mariners have a really interesting like many reasons to talk about, but a really interesting young core coming up and Kyle Lewis seems to be part of that. Right. And so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's going to be one of the most fun outfields in the league to watch once Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez are out there playing uh, alongside of Kyle Lewis, that group could be together for a long time uh, in Mariners uniforms. Let's talk about Nick Senzel for a moment because he fits the description of someone that I would absolutely be going after. You described a scenario where your, your core of hitters, in auto new is getting a little bit old. Nick Senzel has just not had that great big league season yet. Just like we talked about uh, with Jordan Alvarez, injuries cut him short in 2020. But we've seen power. We've seen speed. In the minors, we saw a really good hit tool. There's a little bit of patience there. I think there could be a better walk rate coming. So in leagues where OBP is what you're looking for, I think he can bring that too. Does Nick Senzel tick all the boxes you're looking for as someone that you'd be looking at as a possible breakout player and as someone that you'd be trading for in long-term leagues? Yeah, so Nick Senzel is an interesting one because I think, you know, he he also checks this box about Kyle Lewis. Like there's, uh, in auto new, when you're playing in auto new leagues, you, you're always thinking about value. Uh, you're, you're, uh, every player is, is uh, bid on and the salary is set by the market. So you don't have... Uh, like if you can't find value, you're just not going to do that well. You need to find players that'll you can get for two dollars that'll perform at a five dollar level. Players you get at five dollars that perform at a ten dollar level. I think Nick Zenzel could be that kind of player um, because the book is sort of out, and there's plenty of people who would just be out on Nick Zenzel just because just this guy was a top prospect. He never really put together the season that you wanted to see from him as a top prospect. So he's coming back down from that, and I think there's value there in, in terms of that. And maybe with a spotlight less on him, there's an opportunity for him to actually like put together the full season. Maybe if he is healthy for a full year, um, and the speed and the bat tool are both, I mean, that should keep you in a lineup, right? Like mm-hmm. these are things that like keep you with playing time. And like like we said before about Robles, like if he's going to be in the lineup and he's going to get every opportunity to do it, um, and you can get him at a lower price, that could be a pretty exciting player, I think. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's a really fun guy, I think, coming into this year. And, you know, there's going to be people who push him, right? I mean, as talented as he is, you've got D. Strange Gordon as a non-roster invite there. You've got Shogo Akiyama, who clearly is going to be part of the mix in the outfield for Cincinnati. But I think Nick Senzel, talent always finds a way. And I think that's ultimately what's going to be the thing that keeps him as an everyday player. I wish, I, from a redraft perspective, I wish I had a little bit more confidence that he'd be able to push himself out of the bottom third of that lineup. But when you look at the uh, top five of Winker, Castellanos, Vado, Suarez, Moustakis, you know, one of those guys would really have to falter or Senzel would just have to explode, I think, to push himself into a consistent top five spot in the lineup but still you got to like the uh, talent you got to like the mix of power and speed that he offers and we're talking so much about that this season and we're seeing guys uh, who we have all the reason to believe in Luis Robert right but getting pushed way up draft boards and Nick Senzel has that same sort of power speed combo maybe not quite at the level that uh, we're expecting from Luis Robert but he can be a 15-15 18-16 sort of player this season so definitely someone who I find to be very interesting another Nick who I find to be pretty interesting I'm gonna sorry uh, sorry Niv throwing this one at you even though we didn't uh, previously talk about it but I do think that Nick Madrigal is someone who could get some substantive gains to his game this season because He's going to be the everyday guy out there for the White Sox. He's really not going to have anyone uh, to compete with. And talk about a guy who does not have to worry about carrying an offense. That is going to be Nick Madrigal in Chicago with all the bats that they have on that team. He's also going to be stuck in the bottom third of his order. But if you're going to be stuck in the bottom third of an order, the White Sox one is not a bad one to be doing it in. You're going to get plenty of RBI opportunities, plenty of run scoring opportunities with the top of that order coming up behind you. Nick Madrigal is a guy who I think finds himself in a great environment this season and also checks the box of being a youngster who you can get pretty darn cheap going into this season. Where are you at on Madrigal for 2021 and beyond? I mean, I agree with everything you said right there. I think like it's the right lineup to be in. He doesn't have to do too much. 
And uh, again, it's like prospect pedigree, right? It wasn't Nick Senzel pedigree, but it's still prospect pedigree with Madrigal. And I think, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see what that White Sox lineup looks like this year and like what kind of fantasy production you find in there that maybe maybe is undervalued right now. But like it, everyone agrees that that lineup is going to be a beast, right? So that means there's going to be players in there that you can get at the lower on the board. And again, like Auto New is all about value. So that's a place where if you can get him for like in a three, four, five dollar range, you might end up with a fifteen dollar player, right? Just with the with the ability to score runs and and be driven in by by all the big bats that'll actually be coming behind him. Yeah, it's one of the best lineups in the American League. I really like what the White Sox have put together there on the south side of Chicago. I've been watching a lot of flea market flip during the pandemic. That is the reality show of choice in the Van Riper household right now, which it's taught me one thing. You can turn anything into a bar cart. Literally anything in the world can be turned into a bar cart yeah. if you just put your mind to it. And you know, for those who haven't seen the show, it's actually not a terrible reality show. But Jared Oliva is, to me, like a flea market flip kind of player. Because like you're going into the, the bargain bin that is the Pirates roster. You're looking for someone who has an opportunity. And you're just trying to see the potential. I'm trying to see a lot of playing time on a guy that did pretty well in the minor leagues. You look at 2018 and 2019 at high A and double A, Jared Oliva was 20% better than a league average hitter at both stops. He's patient. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's got a little bit of power. He's got a lot of speed, which in typical roto leagues especially makes him appealing as a late option. Am I digging too deep? Am I trying too hard to see the good on the Pirates roster if I'm interested in Jared Oliva as an end game sort of play? Well, I guess the question there is like, uh, it really comes back to the playing time question that we've been like circling around with a couple other names you've thrown out there. Like, if we think he has like, I don't know, the Pirates don't really have a ton of players to throw out there to like replace these guys once they like, even if they're not have a, even if they don't have a great April or a great May, they, they're still going to get to play. Right. And if you think the speed is real, I think that's pretty valuable. I think also he's, like a 25 year old ish uh, outfield prospect. And like, it might be a little bit of a deep pull. <laughs> it might be a little bit hopeful <laughs> that like uh, you're going to get like a ton of hitting value from that. Like mashing at in triple a when you're 24 or whatever is like one thing. Um, but that's like a little bit old for the level. Right. So like I always look at that kind of thing too, when trying to figure out like, is this going to translate or is this guy just beating up 22 year olds? And like the answer is like, it depends, I guess. The speed translates, right? That That's not really in question. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, let's flip things over to the pitching side of the equation. And, you know, same exact prompt here where we're looking for guys who, you know, are undervalued, maybe some guys who do fit the young player who is set to break out mold. But the first guy who I want to ask you about is not in that mold because he's a young guy who already has broken out but does have an interesting case going into 2021 and then looking beyond that. It's Mike Soroka. You know, we know Mike Soroka is going to miss the beginning of the season because of the Achilles injury he suffered late last year. But David O'Brien, who covers the Braves for the Athletic, uh, told us that he really thinks Soroka is going to be back out there late May, somewhere in there for the Braves. And you know, maybe he's not Mike Soroka right away in late May, but he's going to be back on the mound, back in this rotation and ready to take on meaningful innings by the time we get to the summer. So when you look at a guy like this for, you know, specifically, I think, 2021, 
how do you balance in you know the talent that is here, the injury that he's coming off of, and the buying opportunity, the value that could be presented if he is the guy who we expect him to be by, let's say, July first? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I really like Mike Soroka. I I'm looking at his player page now and. He's only 23 years old. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. <laughs> like he's put together three amazing years, uh, given that, I mean, two years really. Uh, but the injury is a little scary. And I think that fundamentally comes down to it. Like Achilles injuries are scary. Like the, the ankle injuries are like nerve wracking. I would say it's not uh, quite the level of, we were talking about this the other day, like Strasburg not being able to feel the baseball or whatever, like that, that is like probably S tier level worst injury uh, for a pitcher. But uh, you know, footwork mechanics are important, and I really hope that he can come back and be the guy. This is a pure, like, you have to see what the value is. If he's being drafted like he's the 2019 Mike Soroka, uh, if he's being auctioned at that price or whatever, like, I would probably stay away. It's just a little bit too much risk for me. But that's that's like the peak of his value, right? And if he's being drafted with a little bit more, like, well, he, he missed all of 2020, basically, and uh, he's coming back from this injury, and I'm not 100% sure on the timeline, like, getting mixed reports or however, like, your league reads that situation. Uh, man, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have him <laughs> at the back end of my rotation. But, like, it is more like an SP4, right? Like, because he can move up to SP2 level if he gets that production. But you don't want to really spend SP2 prices right now for him, right? Like, in terms of draft capital or, or auction price. I feel like in the leagues I've been in so far, people are pricing in the injury appropriately and you're actually getting a decent value on him. But it does in leagues where you don't have a lot of IL spots or if you don't have any IL spots, it really changes the way you manage the bottom part of your roster. You can't take as many shots elsewhere if you have to possibly stash Soroka away for what could be all of April or all of April and most of May too. Just I'm more encouraged than discouraged by the reports we've been able to get from where he's at in spring training, the types of things he's doing at this point in his recovery. I feel like all the pitchers we're going to talk about kind of fit that same description. They're sort of like SP4, SP5 type guys that could take that leap. But with everybody pushing pitching so hard this year, that's the area of the the pitching like draft range that I'm living in all the time. Jose Urquidy is a guy that is starting to move up boards. I know Eno likes him. Uh, I know our friend Sammy Reed has talked about him as someone he likes. Once you get enough people on a player, the price starts to go through the roof. So in long-term leagues especially, it's now or never. But part of this is my faith in the Astros and their ability to develop pitching. I mean, you look at the success they had with Christian Javier and Framber Valdez last year. Look at what Urquidy did in his own debut. He was coming back from COVID last year, had great results, even though the Ks weren't there. Uh, do you think we can buy in and get maybe all the best parts of Jose Urquidy, the strikeout rate from his debut, and, and maybe some of the great ratios that we saw in the shortened season? I think you're going to have to make that bet today. I think that's the. I think you nailed it. I think it's now or never for that train because you know Eno came on uh, our Autobot podcast to talk about starting pitching, and Urquidy's the guy he's talking about, and. You know, we, we know Eno, he's everywhere talking about this guy now. So that means the secret's out. So if you want to get in, uh, now's the time. Now, do I believe in it? I want to. I, I really do. I think the pitch, the strikeout rate uh, was low last season, but I think there's a lot of reason to like... We talk about this a little bit um, when I'm uh, talking about with players who play auto new. 2020 is just the Rorschach test, right? It's whatever you wanted to see from it. And it's caused a lot of difficulty in evaluating players for 2021. And I think Arkady is a perfect version of that because I'm just going to ignore the strikeout rate. I don't think that's a real, I don't think he's a five and a half K per nine guy. I think he's like eight or nine. Right. And I think projection systems kind of said that. And I think his minor league track record shows that. So I want to believe. And uh, I think if you want to believe, you have to get on right now. Otherwise, the value is going to be gone. And if he has another 5.5K per nine type year in a full slate in 2021, uh, and there's not like injury concern or anything like that that comes out of it, it's just this is what he strikes people out at, then the train, then the hype will be over, right? Like the whole thing will be over for him. So this is like kind of a make or break year for him. And I think, you know, it depends on where he's going in drafts. Like just real quick for like a comparative point. Uh, Soroka is about an $11 player in auto new, and that's what the $400 budget and Urquidy right now is a seven, seven fifty player, like a $7 50 cent player. So like that, that sort of shows you like, uh, 
sort of directionally like there's still value there in Akiti. Um, and I think that Soroka could be an $11 value as well, but there's still value there in Akiti, but I think you have to get in now. I think everyone's just sort of pricing him in for this guy's going to be my number two pitcher for the next three seasons. So that's the way to think about it. I think. Something Derek and I talk about quite a bit on this show, Niv, is uh, trusting teams that have proven themselves to have a strong pitching infrastructure and be able to repeat over and over again a strong development of arms. Derek just mentioned it with Houston. Another team that we've seen this from is Cleveland. And there's been some turnover, of course, in both their major league and minor league pitching staff. But still, uh, we have uh, plenty of guys who have come up through this system, going back to Corey Kluber, all the way through Shane Bieber, who have just either maxed out what they were supposed to do or even gone beyond what their initial projections uh, had them at. And one guy who has me excited coming up through Cleveland system is Tristan McKenzie, and we look at him coming into this season uh, with all the changes that have been made to Cleveland's rotation. He would have to just have the most miserable of miserable springs to not be in this rotation, and I think even that is likely off the table. This is a guy who's going to break camp as a starter for Cleveland, and last year, 33 and a third innings. Yeah, we're not going to get ourselves too excited about that, but 42 strikeouts in those 33 and a third innings. We know that he can be a high level, more than a K per not more than a K per inning type of guy and still very low down 2021 draft boards where do you come in on McKenzie this season well I'm I'm a Cleveland fan so I'm a roll homer here <laughs> uh and so that just is what it is but I think uh you you again uh hit on the point that I'd want to say which is that that's an org that has shown the ability to develop arms out of anything right like Corey Kluber basically was a throw-in and ever since then people are still giving the Indians arms and the Indians are developing arms, even though everyone knows, like, it's like everyone knows what they're going to do and they still are able to do it. Right. Um, one of the guys, another guy on that staff, Plesak, right. Zach Plesak changed his entire pitch mix last year. Like just changed the way he pitches entirely. Like that, uh, coaching staff is still working with these pitchers and young pitchers and making them the best possible version of them so that they can be. And I think Tristan McKenzie, like, I'm again, I'm an Indians fan, so I've tracked him for quite a while. He's been our top pitching prospect on all the team specific prospect lists for a few years now. So for me, I feel like, man, he's been around and he hasn't, but you know, last year was his real first shot. Like it's the first chance he's gotten this really a, a testament to how strong the Cleveland rotation has been the last few years. But yeah, I mean, he is fun to watch pitch. He is like, he's like super tall and skinny and like, the ball comes out like explosive and, uh, and you know, yeah, 42, like what is it? 10.8 strikes per strikeouts per nine or whatever, like very, very good, uh, strikeout rate for a 22 year old, uh, facing major league talent for the first real, like his first time ever. Uh, so I, I'm a huge believer. I'm a huge believer. in if you, I mean, I don't know, man, you could give them a snowman and they turn them into <laughs> seven strikeouts per nine. Like they just, they just create strikeouts and it's, uh, it's undeniable. And I, I don't think it's like something that it doesn't seem to me. And I, I don't know what you guys read is on this. Like, it doesn't seem to me to be something that's like, uh, like substance based or like whatever, like, like Bauer was talking about spin rates for other teams when he was on Cleveland, like sort of openly complaining that he wasn't allowed to use pine tar because the Indians organization wouldn't allow it. And other orgs were allowing that kind of thing. Like, that's at least the impression I got. And I wonder, like, like, it seems like just so built on, like, we know what your pitch, your, we know what your best effective pitches are. We know how to get you to be a little bit more effective with your best pitches. And we know how to give you a fastball that does just enough. And that to me is like, it's just, it's, it's a winning combination every time, right? Yeah, and I think for so many of those stories, going back to Kluber, yeah, when they acquired Kluber, people didn't say, oh, wow, they acquired a, a frontline prospect who's going to be uh, someone who's great atop this rotation for years. They acquired a depth starter that they turned into an ace. And with Plezak, absolutely a guy that we saw as more of a back-end guy. Last year, Plezak versus Savali was almost like a job battle for the last spot in the rotation. And it was a, a toss-up in fantasy. It was like, well, who do you who do you like better? Because you could argue it either way. And then Plezak comes out and has just an incredible eight-start run last season. And now his price is through the roof. But when McKenzie's out there as someone that lives in that 150 to 200 range in drafts, and when his price hasn't shot up yet in long-term leagues, this is the last chance to buy. I think they're they're working with better stuff 
with Tristan McKenzie mm-hmm. than they were working with when they developed Shane Bieber and when they have developed Corey Kluber. I mean, this is this is a really fun player to get in and on if you can uh, in Tristan McKenzie. Uh, I would say all the things we're saying about the, the Cleveland and Houston pitching development apply to the, the Dodgers at this point. The problem there is they always have so much depth. Uh, so my question for you is a lot of times in long-term leagues, we're saying get the core hitters first as you're rebuilding, get the pitching last. Would you go after someone like Dustin May right now with uncertainty about his short-term role, knowing that a guy that throws that hard and has stuff that good is going to find his way into a starting role at some point in the not-so-distant future? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a good larger question about, like, overall strategy. I, I kind of zag on that a little bit. Um, I, not overboard. I think uh, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect is pretty true, but I think that means that you have to take a little bit more risk on that side. And so if you really want the future value, the pitching value can be there for a long time because pitching prospects tend to come sort of inexpensive because of the in- inherent risk to them. Um, so I... I don't know. I, I think when, when you're thinking at future value, that's probably true. If you're building a team for today, you got to go hitter, right? It's just too much variance on the pitching side. Dustin May, well, he throws 110 miles an hour or whatever, and he doesn't, <laughs> yep. and he doesn't have a role on that team. That's like, crazy. what is that? I, yeah, and he doesn't also have his strikeout rates a little bit depressed, right? Like for a guy who throws 102 miles an hour consistent, like consistent, and and I wonder if. I wonder if like the right thing is that he's going to end up being the closer, right? Is that what you guys that the read or yeah, I mean like what are they going to do like a six man rotation where they swap uh they swap who the sixth pitcher is, something like that. Like I think I, I would buy on Dustin May just because 102 mile an hour fastballs don't just fall from the sky, right? Like that's not like a thing that you just get. And I have to believe that that translates at some point into something like really valuable from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I'm not saying that Dustin May is Garrett Cole, but we went through that with Garrett Cole in Pittsburgh, where the stuff and the strikeout rate just never matched up, and it took getting him out of Pittsburgh into Houston to maximize uh, what his what his stuff always was in Pittsburgh. And actually, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that about the Dodgers and their six-man rotation. If we uh, had Pedro Mora, our Dodgers beat writer, on a show a couple of weeks ago, and he said that there's never going to be a point where the Dodgers have a literal six-man rotation this season. But when we look back at their stats at the end of the year, it will appear to us as though they had a six-man right. rotation with the way that they move guys in and out. And, of course, Tony Gonsolin is going to be in that mix as well. It's just like, man, that, that team, right? Like, uh, we wanted, so, I, I, wanted, I wanted so long for Ross Stripling to be a starter there and just never happened, and now he's finally gone. It's like they just keep bringing – Kenta Maeda couldn't be a full-time starter there forever, <laughs> and then he goes to Minnesota and nearly wins the Cy Young. And now they have May and Gonsolin, guys who would be easy starters basically anywhere else, can't break their rotation. It's just – it's crazy what they've been able to do there. Um, you know, it's actually in their division where maybe we would find a team that w- wouldn't be able to use May or Gonsolin as a for-sure starter. It's the San Diego Padres with all the trades that they've made. You know, part of the way they were able to do that was by bringing in Blake Snell for a big-time asset in Luis Patino heading out to Tampa. And it feels as though getting to Tampa is maybe going to give him a better chance. I mean, obviously, if he were still in San Diego – then if Snell wouldn't be there and maybe there's still an angle on the rotation for him there. But you look at this Tampa rotation and it's hard to imagine, you know, uh, Ryan Yarbrough, Michael Waka, even Chris Archer, Rich Hill. I mean, all these guys keeping Patino out of the rotation for the entire season. Maybe he doesn't start the year in the rotation, but eventually it feels as though Patino is going to be in that Tampa rotation. So how do you look at a guy like that for this season? Yeah, he's definitely like a long-term part of their plan, right? I, I guess like like th- that's that's like the way that Tampa Bay is like trying to think about acquiring a pitcher like that. I I forgot about Chris Archer being there and like I know they added a few arms and like I'm I'm kind of bullish on Archer and excited for him to like pitch uh, back in Tampa where he's been his best. But I also and I also think like the, the Rays do like a bunch of like bullpenny type stuff like. Uh, opener follower stuff and like I wonder how much of that cutesy stuff like I'm gonna call it cutesy because I don't really think that it's necessarily the right way to build a pitching rotation but all that the sort of like if that kind of strategy of like we're gonna get a bullpen day in and we're gonna have a opener and we're gonna like 
have Archer that, but he's on like a he's on a four point two hard stop. Like I wonder if that stuff like makes it harder for a guy to break into a rotation, and like just creates a little bit more noise that like what happened to just giving a guy the ball every five days or whatever. And I I still think like major league teams generally will want to do that. I just don't know. Tampa makes me a little nervous because of like. They feel like a little clever, and I know it works for them. They win a ton of baseball games at a very low cost. Like, they do a very good job of what they do. But I get scared of prospects uh, coming up in that system because, like, when we talk about the hitting side and the pitching side, there's always been a few guys there that are like, this is a this is a player that if he got a regular job, I would really be excited about. And then Tampa goes and is just really clever and they win a bunch of baseball games, but there's no, from a fantasy perspective, it's a little bit harder to count on anybody. I don't know if that's like that. That might just be a pure anecdotal thing that I've had to deal with in my teams, but like I don't know if that's like to me. Tampa is like just a scary place uh, for to get fantasy value. For me, it's like they create a few random things that other teams really don't, and it's they find a way to take Ryan Yarbrough and make him a good starter. And initially, it was as a follower. Now they use him more like a regular starter, but. When they were using him as a follower, he had a chance to get wins. And when they weren't using him as a follower, if he was only going to go four innings, if you, if you start the game and go through the inning, go through the lineup twice, you're probably not going to win because you're probably not getting far enough into the game. So if they throw an opener in front of someone like Patino, that's a weird like boost in his value. And it's a clever way to manage the innings. But I think the thing I get drawn to the most with the Rays is if they have success with a guy like Yarbrough, it makes me believe more in Josh Fleming than I ordinarily would. And I think that can be kind of dangerous. And I think in the case of Patino, Tyler Glass now, even though you know he's not at all like physically like Luis Patino, because most pitchers don't look like Tyler Glass now, uh, the fact that he goes in with good stuff, bad command, the Rays make him really effective, so much better than he was during his time in Pittsburgh. That gives me hope that they can take a guy that's similar in Patino, no questions about stuff, lots of questions about command, and sort of massage what he does into their plan in a way that gets them 120 high-quality innings. And I think you're right, Niv, like if you put him in a rotation like, let's just say, Pittsburgh, where there'd be an opportunity to start every fifth day and pitch as long as he's you're not tired, basically get to 90 or 100 pitches, he'd probably get to 150 or 160 innings. So the, the ceiling's higher, but I feel like the quality of the innings is almost optimized by the way the Rays manage that staff. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think like the, 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 the other point to that that's like really good is that, uh, you know, when we're talking about the Indian staff and McKenzie having better stuff than the guys that they've had before, like Patino is high pedigree, right? Like uh, touted, uh, like a, the, the, the centerpiece of that uh, Snell trade. So, so you have to be positive from that perspective. Like if you've seen what they did with, with second tier prospects or guys who had a little bit less pedigree, that's, that's, that, that's a good point. That, that, that shifted me a little bit on him. I'm going to have to look at him. I'm going to have to look at his availability in my leagues now. (laughs) Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss army knife have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Something I think that is uh, also time to shift is the way we look at relievers and reliever value in fantasy leagues. You know, obviously, uh, Major League Baseball has completely changed the way uh, that it uses relievers. This was just a fad, or it seemed like it could be a fad. It was just a couple of teams for a while, but now it's across the league. Teams use relievers in completely different ways. 
than we thought of even just five years ago. And now it's a totally different landscape, and that obviously has uh, wreaked some havoc on the way that we look at relievers and reliever value in the fantasy world. I think there are some fixes that definitely need to be made. I think one easy fix that I know not everyone agrees with me on is saves plus holds. I like saves plus holds. I think holds are maybe the worst statistic in professional sports, Uh, but holds are sort of a reverse engineering type of way to get you to give value to relievers who deserve that value and just don't have it in traditional fantasy leagues that are only counting safe. So I understand the argument against holds, they're terrible, but they give you a backdoor to giving a 2020 James Karinchak the value that he had, or a 2020 Devin Williams, the value that he had to his real life team. How do you look at figuring out the the right way to value relievers in this new world of baseball? Yeah, so um, Auto New is you know partnered with Fangraphs, and we have a pretty rich service. We have five by five, which is just traditional five by five. We have four by four that takes saves just away, and so we look at strikeout rate, WHIP. ERA, just traditional pitching stuff. Uh, and the value there is you have five reliever slots every day. And if you can just get the production, like the pure production of low ERA, fewer home runs allowed, uh, high strikeout rate, like that's a valuable addition. Those relievers will always have a higher strikeout rate than your starting pitchers. So they can bring up your overall team uh, category there. We also have a couple points leagues and the points leagues use saves and holds uh, worth points. I think saves are five and holds are four. So uh, it's sort of acknowledging the leverage situation of a hold uh, and in exactly the way that you just said, Michael. Like it's it's a valuable stat. It shows the ability to um, pitch in a high leverage situation. Uh, when we talk about relieving in general, like the, the big question I think is leverage and like who comes in in the big spots. Uh, you know, the... A lot of managers now are talking biggest spot isn't always the ninth inning, top of the uh, top of the ninth with nobody on base. Biggest spot could be the seventh, could be the sixth, could be the third. You know, it just sort of depends on like uh, reading the game situation and when to bring in the guy that you need to get the out right or get the outs. Um, Fangraphs has stats, and I, I, you know, I think they're pretty much around called shutdowns and meltdowns, and I'm really interested in those stats from like. Uh, a fan perspective, like shutdowns show uh, certain uh, at a certain leverage, did you come in and get the out? And a meltdown is at a certain th- leverage threshold, did you give up runs? So that's saying, like, are you performing in the high leverage situations? And are you actually ruining your team's chances in lower leverage situations, right? <laughs> Which is like, I think a really interesting way of thinking about relieving and, and pitching in general, like, when we think about like it's less starter and reliever, like sort of talking nodding towards Tampa here, but like it's more, are you getting outs that help your team in the situations where your team needs that help? Inherited runners, that kind of thing. Um, the problem from a fantasy service perspective, and I'm speaking, I'm taking my ha- my fan hat off and putting <laughs> my auto new hat on, uh, is that park effects come into leverage. And if you don't know a park effect, and and I think uh, if you guys track park effects, like they change pretty drastically from season to season, uh, or they can. Uh, park effects can change what is considered a high leverage situation. So you can have a shutdown that doesn't that turns into not a shutdown because the leverage of that situation drops over the course of the year as we learn about it. And I'm specifically we t- I had a conversation on Twitter about this yesterday. Um, and thinking about like we don't know where the Blue Jays are going to play and if they play in Dunedin or whatever like we don't know anything about that park we don't know anything about the run environment there and if that so that makes it impossible to use like leverage as a fantasy stat right because what is a shutdown on April 1st may not be a shutdown on May 1st may not be a shutdown on June 1st but I think that's like a good way uh, when you're thinking about I want to acquire a reliever and I want that reliever to feel like somebody who's not going to make me swear at the TV or swear at my MLB TV. Like looking at how they do in high leverage situations will help you with that. Right. I think like maybe I, I, the other part is that relieving is so variant that it's maybe it's not even worth uh, worrying too much about like predicting future value of relievers. You know, the roles, the guys in the roles are important. Uh, Acknowledging holds I think is imperative, but other than that, maybe just relievers are relievers, right? Like it's, they're, 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 they're kind of high variance. 
uh, a guy being good one year is no indicator they're going to be super good the next year unless they're at the very top tier of their trade. And those guys have the closer roles that are already kind of acknowledged and valued in drafts and in auctions. So so maybe maybe holds are really, I mean, Autonew has fallen on the answer that holds are the answer to this. Like that's, I think, either go full production or go for holds. Um, so I think that's actually probably from a fantasy, fantasy perspective, the right way to go about it. Um, I know I'm talking for a little bit here, but the other thing about this is that holds are actually not an official Major League Baseball stat, uh, which is something I learned last year um, because uh, depending on the service you get your data from, we get our data from Sports Info Solutions uh, through Fangraphs. Uh, they they have certain rules that are required f- for a hold to be awarded that aren't required for a save. And one of those things is that the starting pitcher must have gone long enough for there to be a win. Uh, so that means the win rule, which, you know, is like kind of obtuse, has to have been invoked in order for a hold to be invoked. Uh, MajorLeagueBaseball.com doesn't have that rule. The reason that rule is important is because there are seven inning doubleheaders. And seven inning doubleheaders make it really hard for the win rule to be invoked. Uh, if a pitcher doesn't go five innings, there can still be a hold situation. Four and two thirds into a seven inning game is a high leverage situation, right? Mm-hmm. But that won't count as a hold in in SIS. It won't count as a hold. MLB.com will count it as a hold. But I know on uh, on good authority that uh, arbitrators don't count it as a hold. Like MLB arbitration lawyers don't count it as a hold. So it's it's like kind of wild. Like holds, you're playing with fire a little bit because it's just not an official stat. So the rules around it, you know, it's sort of informally brought up because people wanted to measure higher leverage situations that weren't saves. And you're playing with fire, messing with it. But uh, as we hopefully as we move past the pandemic and away from double headers and away from the need for all that stuff, uh, holds can be. Man, I talked a lot about holds just now, (laughs) (laughs) but but I just happen to know a lot about holds right now because of uh, some auto news stuff last year. Will Smith, the Braves uh, relief pitcher, had multiple outings where MLB.com box score says he got a hold, but Fangraphs doesn't. And that's a discrepancy that just needs to be noted uh, as you're playing fantasy in leagues with holds. Where is your data coming from? What does a hold actually mean? Um, but I think holds are actually like it's an imperfect tool, certainly. But a lot of these pitching stats are. And and it it definitely is more valuable than not using holds altogether. Yeah. Tidying that up with one definition would certainly help just yep. to give that <laughs> yeah. stat a little more life, I think, across more leagues. Uh, Niv, what else makes Auto New different? For our listeners out there, a lot of our listeners play either in typical 5x5 leagues, maybe long-term leagues, play in some really old-school 4x4 rotisserie leagues. But what else makes Auto right. New just a different experience for a fantasy baseball player? Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's great. It's Obviously, I'm extremely biased when I say that, but <laughs> it's a 40-man, $400 auction. So like a salary cap, basically, you can make trades in season uh, that allow you to give loans to other teams. So that allows you to create a dynamic of building uh, for the future where you're giving getting rid of some of your higher priced assets in order to get um, prospects, the future value that we talked about on today's episode or whatever. And then uh, you can also say, I'm going to take my prospects, shove them all in and go get that Mike Trout that I wasn't able to afford in the preseason draft. Um, so that kind of dynamic is really fun. It's also, it's a year round game. Uh, so you can play, there's something to do literally every month out of the year in, uh, December, we had winter meetings in my leagues where we would say for a couple days, everyone just sort of be around on our Slack channel or on the league message board. And we're going to just, everyone update your trade blocks. We're going to talk about trades for, for three straight days in December. And like that kind of energy is really fun. And you're playing with people that want to talk about baseball year round. And that's like a really special thing. Um, we also like the, the scoring is also really unique. And I know a lot of leagues have started adopting our scoring, uh, even if they're playing in a redraft or playing on Yahoo or whatever. Scoring's become a little bit of the saber metric sort of uh, standard, uh, which is it's the hitting is based on WOBA and the pitching is based on like FIP, basically. And so we're using like advanced stats and using the components of those advanced stats to break down like relative value of a home run versus a strikeout versus a stolen base versus a double um, and sort of uh, you're able to then evaluate the players 
uh, on the same terms that major league teams evaluate the players uh, when in, in the ones that use the advanced analytics and stuff like that. And that that's obviously a huge draw. So if you're into advanced stats and you want to talk about baseball year round, uh, auto new is, is kind of unique in the format that allows that kind of, those kinds of things. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's hard to find people like a whole, a whole group of friends that always want yeah. to play that way, but you've got it set up where you can go in as an individual and, and join a league, right? You, you don't have to yeah. find nine or 11 or 13 friends that all want to try this all at once. You can actually go it alone if you want to. Yeah. And in fact, most of our players do that and have created, uh, friendships and relationships just by playing the game right with with the other people who you come on a common ground of, of obviously having to like baseball enough to want to talk about baseball year round and to want to talk about it in terms of um value in terms of uh salaries and that kind of concept like we're not just talking about um first round picks versus sixth round picks we're talking about 50 dollars players 40 dollars players so on so uh yeah, a lot of people come in individually and they're able to find leagues with uh, sort of their people that want to talk about baseball as much as them. So they don't have to bother. You don't have to pull in their friends who are like maybe not as into baseball. Like, yeah, I'll go to a game on Saturday or whatever, but I'm not I'm not here to talk about it in December for three days or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can you can come in as an individual. It's uh, you know, we don't have any ads on the site, so we make all the money from league fees. And I work really closely with the community to continue to improve the site and make it as good as possible. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, many, uh, well, not many, but I will say a non-trivial number of people, enough that I can count on more than one hand, have gone on to work in front offices after playing Auto New. Um, because it sort of is, and having talked to people in front offices, it's a similar mindset to what a Major League Baseball front office does. Major League Baseball front offices have way more tools at their disposal and a lot more nuance to work with, obviously. But it's the same kind of... Um, evaluating players, figuring out what their value is and what you can acquire them for and trying to just win that every single time, every single day, uh, year round that that's the game. Very cool. Uh, Nib, before we let you go, let our listeners know how they can get into a league and where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. Um, we are at autonew.com, uh, O T T O N E U.com. Uh, like I mentioned before, we're partnered with Fangraphs, so you can find us on Fangraphs' homepage if you guys are ever reading Fangraphs. Um, and you can hit me up on at autonew, O-T-T-O-N-E-U, or help at autonew.com. I'm, I'm always around for emails and stuff. And we have a podcast uh, that is focused on auto new strategy, so talking a lot about the stuff we talked today about future value and stuff, and, and especially from a salary cap perspective. And that's the Autobot pod o-t-t-o-b-o-t-p-o-d on twitter awesome lots of good resources there as people get into the league for the first time perhaps uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks still time to sign up for this season of course yeah plenty of time and there's leagues that are always looking uh to form and draft there's we're like sort of in our uh early draft stage we're not really at peak draft yet so it's not too late at all awesome well niv thanks for making time thanks for telling us more about the game and thanks for just joining us to talk baseball on this show yeah super fun thank you so much for having me you guys really appreciate it that is going to wrap things up for this episode of the athletic fantasy baseball podcast before we go i should say if you'd like to sign up for the athletic you can do that for $3.99 a month to start at theathletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast and if you got a few minutes to leave us a nice rating and review we'd really appreciate that on apple podcasts and of course, we'll put our listener survey into the show notes as well. It goes for all the shows we do here at The Athletic. We want to make as many great shows for you as possible. So getting some feedback from you is the best way for us to do that. For Niv Shaw and Michael Beller, I'm Derek Van Riper. We are back with you on Tuesday. 